0: Hi, this is Karen Rowland, founder of Hush Providence. Welcome to my new weekly well-being podcast, Real People, Real Conversations, Real Life. We'll be talking about all things relating to the human experience. What makes up a life? What creates joy and happiness? What makes humans the same or different? How do we care for ourselves and each other? We'll even try to answer the five W's of well-being. Who, what, what? when, where, and why, and how this all fits together. A little ambitious? Maybe. But join us as we connect with local topic experts, peers, mentors, and healers. Welcome to Hush Providence, a well-being podcast. I'm excited today to introduce Eowyn Alström to today's episode. Welcome, Eowyn.
1: Thanks, Karen. It's wonderful to be here.
0: So you are at Brown University, the School of Professional Studies, you're a mindfulness and MBSR instructor and trainer. That's where you and I met a few years ago. You're the founder of Middle Path Healing Arts, a personalized and cooperative method of developing sustainable well-being. You have 10 plus years of mindful movement and yoga instructor at Insight Meditation Society, a poetess. You've done meditations on Insight Timer, and you have a master's degree in health and wellness education. If you could share your personal path to mindfulness. Yeah.
1: Well, I have been. Thank you again for the invitation, Karen. I really appreciate your doing a podcast that you're calling a well being podcast. I think that's important. And I guess I would say my personal path to mindfulness happened a long, long time ago. <laughs> So maybe my personal path in mindfulness is more um, important in some ways, although I'm happy to talk about the past as well, because I would really connect your theme of the podcast, this well-being theme with mindfulness, you know. So if you go back in my life more than 25 years ago, shortly after I had graduated from college, I was trying to figure out what to do. When I was not convinced by the social story I was hearing, I was not convinced that if I just got the right job, the right house, two children, you know, two pets, <laughs> that I was going to be happy. In fact, as I looked around me, I saw a lot of signs that that was not working well <laughs> for people. You know, not that it can never work, uh, but it didn't seem compelling to me so i was really confused about how to proceed with my life given that these really kind of essential tasks that the society was assigning me as a citizen you know get a job get a house get the co- you know get a family all that stuff didn't look like it was producing the desired effects in the people around me what to do you know so i was working at a bookstore which had a lot of big uh, spirituality section in it. And I started reading books about meditation, yoga, mindfulness, of which there were many fewer then than there are now. Uh, But from those books, several of which were written by people from India or uh, Burma, you know, people from the East, yeah. I started practicing on my own. Yeah. and I was really inspired by the practice. Um, I was practicing yoga meditations, yoga postures, I was practicing Buddhist meditation. Uh, and over the years that those influences in my life have just grown and grown So now it's you know approaching 30 years later, which is why I say it's ancient history <laughs> but my well-being. You know, uh, the person who you see today as we talk, the voice you hear today in my work would not have existed if I had not uh, picked up the practice of mindfulness so long ago and kept at it uh, quite diligently for a long time. So it's
0: been a big influence in my life. That's lovely. So I have a quote from John Cabot zinn The real meditation practice is how we live our lives from moment to moment to moment. Can you define mindfulness and benefits of practice?
1: Mm, Yeah. I'm glad you're
0: asking me that question
1: because I recently was in a local grocery store and was quite surprised when I came across a display case. Uh, It was selling nuts. I won't say what kind of nuts, and as I walked up to it, on one side it had a said the athletic nut, and then I walked around to the other side, and it said the mindful nut. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> oh wow, I wonder what they mean by that word mindful in that context. You know, I often hear people nowadays say, you know, be mindful not to fall down the stairs or something. You know, like pay attention, and that's definitely part of what mindfulness means, but it's really a lot more radical than that and a lot deeper than that, I think. In my way of understanding and practicing it, mindfulness is the awareness that is not caught up in the tides of our emotional lives, is not caught up in the stories that we tell ourselves about our lives and so can see yeah those experiences a little bit more clearly than we do when we're just conscious in an ordinary way right like i know i'm talking to karen and i know that this is a podcast right that's ordinary awareness right with mindfulness i might uh also for example be aware that oh there's a little heightened energy because i'm on a podcast yeah and i can not take that so personally. I can recognize that that's normal for someone to feel a little butterflies in the stomach or a little uncertainty when they're in an interview setting, right? So it has a power to it. It gives us space to make choices in our lives, moment
0: to moment to moment, you know? And the benefits of that? Well. So many. <laughs>
1: Oh my, (laughs) you know, that's a good question too, Karen. We used to often, when I was working at the Center for Mindfulness at UMass Medical School as a MBSR teacher, a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher, we would always go through at the beginning of the course, the risks and benefits. And and for benefits, we would say, we really want people to discover the benefits for themselves. Uh, through the practice, right? And that most people who report their benefits to us, one thing that really stands out among lots of other things is an increased sense of a capacity to respond to or navigate the stresses of life. So not that stress goes away, right? But that now I know it's happening and I can be in relationship with it in a way that is less detrimental to me, maybe even helpful. Yeah. So that I would say is a really significant benefit. And if you look at lists coming out of the science, you know, they notice that people can um, reduce anxiety, for example, with mindfulness practice.
0: And now a shout out to our sponsor, the Good Seed Market, 138 Central Avenue, Seekonk, Massachusetts started in 1989 by three friends with a goal of creating a neighborhood market offering simple, natural, organic products for a healthy lifestyle. Now a member of the independent Natural Foods Retailer Association, our friends at The Good Seed are offering our listeners a 10% discount on their first purchase just by mentioning Hush Providence, The Good Seed Market, a place where ideas can grow maybe you could give a brief overview of some of the anchors and tools that we use. Sure.
1: Yeah. So now you're really talking Karen about mindfulness meditation and that's a, you know, it might be worth you, you practice mindfulness meditation. Yeah. Yeah. And you also practice mindfulness as a daily life practice. Yeah.
0: So mindful eating, walking, all of those things. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, when you ask me to talk about the anchors, we're really now talking about mindfulness meditation in a specific sense, although we can expand it from there. In mindfulness meditation, which is basically a sitting meditation practice, usually, um, we choose something that's easily available to our awareness as a way of steadying the attention. Have you noticed, Karen, that your mind wanders? <laughs> a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So if you choose, let's say your breath uh, as an anchor for your attention, then when you're sitting in meditation, you've got something to come back to every time you realize your mind has wandered. So when we're talking about mindfulness meditation, anchors are things like breathing, feet on the floor, hearing sounds. We can even um, take our thoughts as an anchor. It's a little bit more specific there, because for most of us, if we just try to take our ordinary thoughts as an anchor, it's impossible. But if we choose a phrase like, may I be happy, then we can say that phrase to ourselves over and over again as a way of anchoring the mind. So in that sense, you can include loving kindness meditations and compassion meditations in the kinds of meditations that use anchors and in mindfulness in that sense. So then, you know, you also practice mindfulness in daily life, right? You can practice anchoring your attention outside of meditation, for example, by noticing the taste of your food. Yeah, we have this classic exercise in the MBSR program, the raisin practice, right? Where we practice seeing and hearing and smelling and uh, touching and tasting and also noticing all our thoughts as we eat one single raisin. You know, it's an example of using a raisin as an anchor for your attention. So it's basically the idea of anchors is to have a fairly neutral uh, experience to direct attention toward so that you are present. And the purpose of being present is to collect information about what's going on, right? I might discover I don't like raisins and not eat them anymore. You know, <laughs> or I might find out I like them a lot and want to eat them more often. Yeah. You know? So some researchers uh, have used this kind of um, mindfulness practice to help people with things like uh, smoking cessation and managing eating habits. Yeah, you know? paying attention in great detail uh, can help us have a deeper sense of what we really want to do. Yeah. You know? And also a sense of what we get out of what we do, you know? So if I pay attention to eating a pint of ice cream, part of that anchor (laughs) might be learning that it gives me a bellyache, you know? And that might give me some motivation or inspiration in terms of how I want to relate to ice cream the next time. you see what I mean?
0: I do. So that kind of leads us into consumption, which is the next conversation we're going to be having here, which is I recently read an article by Soren Gordheimer. I don't know if you're familiar with him, he's the founder of Wisdom 2.0, Yeah. and the article was entitled, What is the Invitation? How do we create physical spaces to encourage healthy behaviors, replacing phones, screens with yoga mats, books, meditation cushions, having accessible healthy food choices? What and who are we inviting in? Just that general awareness of consumption. So that leads us to the recent Middle Path Healing Arts blog that you did on contemporary wayfaring, a yearning for a more authentic, intentional life. Maybe you could share some of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. These are, it's really beautiful topics that you've chosen, Karen. Um, So part of my path in mindfulness has been a long-standing relationship with this place called the Insight Meditation Society. I I point that way because it's over there from where I am, (laughs) physical spaces. Um, The Insight Meditation Society is a silent retreat center. In fact, they have more than one silent retreat center. People come to this space and give up their phones for seven days and enter silence to sit in retreat, right? and practice mindfulness the entire time. So both sitting meditation like we were talking about and these informal practices that we're talking about are uh, part of those retreats. So in that that um, school, the Insight Meditation Society School of Thought came straight out of Asia from India and Burma and Thailand. And in those cultures, there's a tradition of Um, asceticism and renunciation associated with mindfulness so people will there are different ways you can do this you can you can choose a lower level or a smaller number of um things to renounce or a larger number of things to renounce uh the standard is to Become a monk or a nun, depending on your gender. Yeah. In which case, you even give up things like money and driving cars. Right. So, and but cell phones is an interesting topic there because that's it's cell phones are very new. So, are you required to renounce a cell phone as a monastic mindfulness practitioner? I think it's an open discussion. Anyway, I was using that phrase contemporary wayfaring to really refer to. I think a growing number of us in mainstream Western American culture who are actually maybe having something similar to what I described in my first connection with mindfulness practice. It's kind of a looking around and seeing that all this stuff we have isn't necessarily um producing the happiness it's reputed to give us. know, certainly the technological devices are a mixed blessing, right? And it's amazing mm-hmm. that we're having this conversation because I'm not in Providence today. <laughs> you know? uh, and I can see you. <laughs> That's super cool. And I often come to the end of the day and think, oh, I wish I had spent three or four hours fewer on my phone and three or four hours more outside, you know, in nature. So... Contemporary wayfaring is a phrase that describes an effort to find one's own way in the middle of all this complexity in such a way that it's possible to really live from our values, our our moral compass, rather than just the chase for whatever the society is telling us we should have, you know, not that the society is bad, the society is just a churn of lots of different bits and bites, right? Uh, with nobody behind the curtain, so to speak, <laughs> you know, so if as an individual, I don't take responsibility, and actually get inspired about how I want my life to be, I am likely to just end up on the couch watching TV all day or playing video games or, you know, something like that Uh, or working myself to the bone because I think I should be good at, you know, I should, I should succeed. Right. So there are other options. Yeah. Uh, One course I'm really looking forward to teaching that I just co-created with a colleague of mine, a guy named Steve Kramer is called, we called it unhook. And it's actually about Ways that we can bring mindfulness to our devices, you know? So if I if I just like hold this thing in my hand and feel the weight of it and notice that it's warm because it's turned on, that's a really different experience than if I'm like, you know, doing this thing, right? So I would say, I think contemporary wayfaring is an orientation that's more like this. <laughs> Less- <laughs> I don't know. I guess the people only listening and not watching won't be able to pick up those cues. I was just holding my uh, cell phone and showing different ways to relate to my cell phone to try to convey this possibility of being more free in, in, uh, in our lives. Not because we're in a better place or a different place, but in how we relate to the place where we are. So I think that's really the link between mindfulness and what I was calling contemporary wayfaring in that blog post.
0: That's awesome. I love that insight. So it's, you know, people are experiencing a lot of burnout, a lot of overwhelm these days for a lot of reasons. And so I think just taking that time to pause and reflect and notice and maybe select what you really want to be intentional about and spending your energy and your efforts on that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And feeling strong enough somehow to do that, even if there are other voices in my head or in my world that tell me I should be, I don't know what, you know, uh, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Keeping up with that churn or keeping up with the latest TikTok trend or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: yeah that's good. The TikTok trend is a great example. Yeah. Yeah, that's So something.
0: there are a lot of core elements involved with mindfulness, um, non-judging, gratitude, patience, trust, letting go, acceptance, and the beginner's mind. Maybe if you could talk a little bit about the beginner's mind. Mm.
1: Yeah. I, that's a nice one to choose, Karen, because it's, um, it's so refreshing to practice the beginner's mind. Um, one of the things that happens for most of the practitioner practitioners of mindfulness I work with and it happens to me as well as a student of the practice is this uh, moment of feeling like I should be better at being mindful, you know, I should be able to be mindful more often. I should. Uh, be more clear when I'm aware, all kinds of shoulds come up. Yeah. And so the beginner's mind is really an invitation to drop those when they happen and act like this is the very first moment you ever heard of being mindful. This is the very first moment you ever thought of being awake in your own life. And so that really refreshes everything, right? It means all, all the mistakes, all the days i forgot to meditate all the times i ate handfuls of raisins and didn't notice i was eating them <laughs> you know, are no longer on the table as evidence for why i can't do this right and i just say oh this moment is new and that's what matters yeah so when we practice the beginner's mind the wake up moment the moment whether i'm talking to you or sitting in meditation uh can be a really beautiful moment, because instead of having to go through the old litanies of you know, the past, I can just feel my breath, or notice that I am sitting at a table eating my lunch, or notice that I'm here with you and we're having a, an interesting conversation, You know,
0: and that's enough. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's enough. I have a question for you. So if you were writing your autobiography, what would you title this chapter in your life?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Karen, because I think you know you and I talked about this a little bit when we were getting ready to meet. I think I would call it contemporary wayfaring. Yeah, that really does um, kind of sum it up. You know, I've made a commitment in my own life to, as best I can, you know, as best I can. And that's important because I'm nowhere near perfected. It you know, prioritize awareness and compassion over um, getting to some destination. Yeah, whatever I'm, however I might conceive that destination in in my future, whether it's you know. Um, enlightenment, you know, or the success of my business, doesn't matter, just a destination, right? Um, so having chosen to prioritize the moment to moment, you know, the step-by-step, the processes of getting there and infuse those with awareness and kindness means that the path sometimes feels rather more meandering. Uh, than it did in the years where I was really like, I'm going to get there. <laughs> <You> know, <right? laughs> uh, but interestingly, I and, and so this was what I mean by wayfaring, you know, it has this kind of wandering kind of feel to it. I've seen i um, I've seen a sign that says all those who, who wander are not lost. <laughs> I think that's really to the point, you know, if I'm really going to show up in this moment, given the way that our world is so complex, so complicated, right? If so I'm really going to show up for what's here right now. I can't expect to get to <laughs> the destination in a straight line. I'm going to have to say, oh, well, hang on. Uh, there's something more here than I thought there was, right? So I, I need to spend a little more time on this before I continue in that direction, you know, or I need to pivot altogether and turn around and, And look at what's behind me because that's feeling most relevant right now yeah so for me this is this is actually this idea of contemporary wayfaring has really solved that problem i had right out of college you know about where was i going to find happiness Uh, because now i know where happiness is actually it's right here right even if it's hot and you know, I'm getting tired of sitting in the seat I'm sitting in and I wish I could get up and I can't still happiness. If it's anywhere is right here in the discomfort, in the confusion, you know, and, and in the connection, that willingness to feel discomfort and confusion gives me to what's actually going on, which is life, you know, joy yeah. in the moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, joy and connection. Mm, mm-hmm. Care for others, care for myself. These things mm. really, these things really matter to me a lot. So yeah.
0: I would love it if you would um wrap things up today with a reading from your book, Mindscapes, yeah. um, one of your poems, Beautiful Offerings.
1: Yeah. Thanks for requesting this
0: one, Karen. I um
1: wrote this one after a long period of silent meditation. So it's very much in that retreat and meditation mode. As you say, it's called Beautiful Offerings. The candles burn low, but do not waver much while we sit. Quiet now. Words on a page or even on the lips cannot say what is here. Let's hold our hearts gently. And without wavering much, up to the soft light, listening. So that really it is. It's a poem about mindfulness. You know, it's a poem about being present um,
0: in a particular way. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that and for participating today. Um, I appreciate you always. So thank you. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be well. Thank you, Awen.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks so much for the invitation. And hope to see you sometime in in person.
0: Yes, I would love that. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to Hush Providence, a well-being podcast. This would not be possible without the incredible help from Jamie Farinella and Stephanie Whitehead on branding and logo concept. John Papa's endless generosity. David Davignon and Austin Lynch for their skilled technical expertise. And of course, our amazing guests and all of you, our listeners. Until next time, be well.